So today's reading is um, Philippians 2, verse 5. So it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his design privileges, divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks so much, Emily. Hello, everybody. I'm Tom, uh, the worship pastor here, if we haven't met. Um, great to be with you. Um, just to add my welcome, do come and connect if it's your first time here. Uh, we'd love to say hello. Um, come and say hey at the welcome wagon afterwards. Um, last week, John started our new teaching series, uh, kicking off teaching series on desire, um, showing us how as we, uh, as we seek to follow the way of Jesus together here and be formed into his image, really that our hearts are contested ground right? Um, that we are all drawn to and desire certain things, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. And um, if you're here, you remember he laid out these four um, desires um, that we're going to look at over the next four weeks. Status, power, pleasure, and money. Uh, and today, we're continuing on and we're going to zoom in on that first desire on that list of status. What might it look like for us um, to, to acknowledge that we have this desire for status um, and to follow the way of Jesus with that desire? And how, how can the way of Jesus speak into this desire for status that we all have? If it's true that we have it, what wisdom is there from the way of Jesus that might be able to help us to navigate it? Uh, we're going to do that in two, uh, two kind of chunks. Firstly, we're going to like diagnose the problem. What is it? What's going on? Um, look at the idol itself, um, the desire itself, and then look for a solution in the way of Jesus. Sound good? Happy days. And um, why don't I just pray for us as we launch in. Uh, Father, would you come now by your Spirit? Holy Spirit, come and move amongst us as you have been already. Show us where the desires of our hearts are. And would you show us Jesus as I speak, would he be seen clearly? Come, Holy Spirit, for his glory and our joy. Amen. Um, I feel quite passionately about hats. Um, if you know me, you'll know that I'm almost always in a hat. Um, it may have something to do with the fact I'm going bald, but... We'll scoot over that. Um, I've actually, I've been into hats from a very early age. Um, and by way of introduction to this talk, I thought I would just um, take you down a kind of nostalgic throwback of my life um, through the lens of hats. There I am, um, Minnesota Vikings hat, guys. If, you know, if you're into the NFL, go Vikes. Um, that's my dad's hat. Um, aren't I adorable? Next one, whoa. It stepped up a level there. The backwards cap, maybe I need to bring that one back. Um, and then I thought I'd just throw this one in, uh, not strictly a hat, but there's me as a wasp. 
Um, I, I don't know. Some like dress up for school day or something like that. <laughs> um, hats. Why am I going on about hats? Um, the point is, we all have identity markers, right? For me, at a superficial level, I'm always in a hat. That's who I am. You can recognize me. Um, identity markers, we all have them. At a deeper level as well, I'm a musician. From a very early age, I was shown music by my family and given an opportunity to try music. And I grabbed hold of it and said, oh, I think I'm quite good at this. This is what I want to do. This becomes a part of who I am, right? We all have these identity markers. Where do we fit? What am I good at? Uh, what makes me feel a sense of value in the world? We all need to know who we are. Um, and we need to know from a very early age. There's a psychologist called Abraham Maslow um, who says that adults must provide opportunities for children to have successful and positive experiences to give children a greater sense of self. This sense of self. Right from our childhood, these questions and experiences, they play a central part in building our sense of identity, our sense of self-worth, or you could say status. Where do we fit in the world? Who are we? And essentially, it's the idea that the world around us is continuously building and reinforcing this sense of who we are and where we fit. So I don't know what that is for you. For me, it's music and a whole host of other things. What is it about you that makes you feel like you? A passion for the environment, maybe, or a character trait of just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a generous person, or I don't know, what, it, what is it for you? What's the identity marker for you that gives you your sense of status in the world? And I'm starting here because um, what I want to say right from the top is that status is needed. It's actually a good thing. Status is needed and it drives our potential for action and good things in the world, right? Um, it's not in itself bad. It's a core requirement for emotional health and flourishing as we mature in the world as well-adjusted people. This kind of self-worth and status in the world, it drives us into the people that we're meant to be. You could call it self-esteem. Self-esteem. And without it, if we're never told who we are, what we're good at, we risk missing what it is that we're called to be and do in the world. Self-esteem, this sense of self or status, it drives good action in the world, right? And um, we, we see this basic dynamic, I think, in Genesis 1, right? On the first page of the Bible. This identity, this status is given by God that then sets up everything else that we're supposed to do in the world, right? So Genesis 1, um, let us make, this is God speaking, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. That's the status bit. This is who they are. Let us make them in our image, that's the status bit, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds and the livestock and wild animals and creatures that move along the ground. Can you see it there on page one of the Bible? A sense of status, this is who you are, made in my image, so go and do the things that I'm calling you to do, right? It's God-given, it's a built-in part of what it means to be human, a God-defined, secure starting point for our purposes in the world. Does that make sense? The problem is uh, that 
what was intended to be this, um, this secure foundation for life in the world has been broken. You, there's cracks in the foundation, you could say. Because the, the tragedy of the human story is that although it begins with the affirming voice of God saying, this is who you are, a second voice enters the narrative and says, did God really say? The essence of what happens in Genesis 3 is, actually, I think I know best. We choose to walk away from the security and affirmation of our creator to try and forge our own identities in the world. I'm going to remake mankind in my own image, we say. Define myself. I want to define myself. I'll decide who I am and what I want to be in the world. And so we get a sense of self created by the self, right? I'll be who I want to be. And we see this everywhere today. This isn't just like theory from page one of the Bible. Um, I do this all the time. We, We reinvent ourselves all the time. We're constantly changing who we feel we need to be. And if we feel dissatisfied with who we are, we feel we need to reinvent ourselves and be something different, right? Sense of self created by the self. And can you see the insecurity of that? The insecurity of it. Tim Keller says this, a big part of sin is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives, achieve our own sense of self-worth and find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. Doing all that stuff without God. But if you try to put anything in the middle of the place that was originally made for God, it is going to be too small. It's going to rattle around in there. And so what we're left with is this gaping hole at the centre of who we are that we're trying to fill on our own. And we all desire that it would be filled, that we would have this sense of status, secure status. And so we're chasing after it and we try and fill that gap with whatever we can because we're hungry for it. We desire a sense of status and we look to anything we can. You know, maybe, maybe if I just get that promotion, if I can elevate myself in my work, or if I have the right house that everybody else seems to have, if I can match that status or car or phone or whatever it is, or um, if I I look different in a certain way, I I don't like how I look. And so if I change that about myself, maybe then I'll have a sense of security and status. Or if I finally stop messing up in that one way, then maybe I'll feel this sense of security. I really hope this isn't just me. Can you see this is the opposite of a secure sense of status in the world? The system is broken. Here's my best attempt to kind of put it into some shape. Um, Basically what you have is everything is driven by our action in the world, right? Our performance, the stuff that we're doing. That's what we look to, to build this sense of status. All the stuff that we can do in the world to give us a sense of self-worth and status. But what that leads to is either a completely inflated sense of self, aren't I the best? Look at all this stuff I'm doing, pride and ego. Or a really low sense of self-worth when we realise that that is not enough and that we can't conjure up this sense of security, right? And actually, 
we swing back and forward between those two things. As we puff ourselves up and think, aren't we the best? We then realize that we're not and we deflate and we have a low sense of self-worth. And it's this pendulum swing between one and the other, between pride and ego and shame. And so what you have is an insecure status that is constantly moving between pride and shame. I definitely feel this in my life. I, um, I worked as a musician for 10 years um, and, you know, um, I would regularly think, I'd find, catch myself thinking, yeah, I think I'm pretty good at this. I, in fact, I think I'm really good at this. And you go up on a stage and a crowd applauds you and you get this, yeah, aren't I the best? It's not just in my music life either. It happens in church. I'm on a stage now. But then what happens is I come off stage and my mind goes to all the little things that I could have done better or that I wish I'd done differently. And then I'm like, oh no, I'm not who I thought I was. Can anybody relate? This pendulum swing between pride and shame. And in both cases, in, in this way of being, action in the world is driving and informing status. Can you see how that's a complete inversion of where we started, of what it was meant to be, where a sense of secure status drives what we do in the world, right? A complete warping and reversal of the way that things are supposed to be. And so we're constantly chasing a sense of who we really are, trying to convince ourselves of our own worth and status battling pride and shame. Or you could say, we're always in the courtroom. We're always in the courtroom. This is a picture that we're going to come back to throughout this talk. The verdict over who we are is constantly being assessed and reassessed and fresh accusations are being made that knock us down. Are you sure that's who you are? Are you sure you're good enough? Maybe you feel that today, deep down, if you acknowledge it in yourself. Tired and worn out from constantly having to be in the courtroom. And so, in that, is there some solution from the way of Jesus that can solve this, that can speak into our broken desire for status, that is a good thing, is there some way? We talk a lot about the way of Jesus here, um, following the way of Jesus, part of our vision here. Um, and that's not just like some nice, neat little catchphrase that we use. Um, the way of Jesus, what it implies is that there is, um, there's an actual way of being in the world, right? Um, a posture to take or uh, a direction to follow that has a shape to it, right? A way of being. If you um, say, if you want to go to Portsmouth, I don't know why you would, but um, if you're going to, we love Portsmouth really. Uh, if you're going to Portsmouth, there's a way to get there. You go down the M27, right? And the M27 has a shape to it that you follow and you follow the way, right? Same, that's what we mean. There is a way of being in the world, a specific route to take that has a shape to it. And I think there is almost no better passage in the Bible to show us that shape than Philippians 2 that we heard read just now. 
So we'll walk through it just now and um, see if we can tease out what this shape might be. So, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, how's about that for status? Who being in very nature God, this is who we're talking about when we talk about Jesus. The one who spoke stars into existence. He spoke stars into existence. Who sustains the universe right now by his power. This Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Sounding very different from the way that our world works. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. John spoke last week, by the way, about the starting point in all of this, being worship, beholding the beauty of Jesus. As we read through these verses, let your heart rise in worship to who Jesus is, the description of him here. This God who spoke stars into existence made himself nothing. What? by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. We could stop there and go into worship and keep going through the night. That is mind-boggling. The God of the universe made himself nothing, stepped down. But it doesn't stop there. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself even further by becoming obedient to death. The author of life to death. And even death on a cross. The worst death you could imagine. This is who our God is. This is what he's done. We've been singing about it already. He lets go of the greatest position and status possible. And so can you see there's a, there's a direction to this, a direction of travel, a stepping down, right? An in, intentional humbling, a going low, a literal death. This is the starting point of the direction of travel, of the way of Jesus, of going low, Stepping down. That's how it begins. We read on. Therefore, because of that, because he stepped down, because he died, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. How's that for status restored? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so yes, in the way of Jesus, there is a stepping down. Yes, there's a humbling. Yes, there's a death. But in the way of Jesus, that death is just the beginning. In the way of Jesus, resurrection is a reality. Hear that today, hallelujah. Resurrection is a reality, which means that exaltation is an inevitability. This is the pattern, that every knee should bow before the one with the highest name at the highest place, with ultimate status. In the way of Jesus, humbling does not mean despair. 
it means resurrection is coming. Death does not mean the end. It means a new beginning. The cross does not mean defeat. It means that the empty tomb is coming. And the empty tomb means that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? This is the direction of travel. This is the shape. This is the way of Jesus. Stepping down to be lifted up. Humbling to restoration. Death to life. And it's completely countercultural, completely the opposite of what you'd think, of what our culture goes after, of status grabbing, striving, prove yourself. You want status, you want security, you want to know who you are, come and die. Go low to be lifted up. That's the way, that's the invitation to a life of humility that leads to secure status. And so what does that mean for us practically today? What can we do in our lives? What can we do? What does it look like? Well, the invitation, as we, as we come into land here, I think there's two things. Firstly, confront the truth. Confront the truth as we map this shape and way of Jesus into our lives, we have to get real about our brokenness. Like I said, it feels completely backwards. You know, we're talking about restoring a God-given sense of status and you want me to bring up all the worst things about myself? Feels backwards. It's uncomfortable, but it has to be where we start because humility is the starting point in the way of Jesus. Death, in all its pain, precedes life. Mother Teresa said, confession is nothing but humility in action. Confession is nothing but humility in action. So how do we step down? How do we humble ourselves just like Jesus did? We get real about our sin before God. We've already been doing it through communion this evening. Powerful. We confess. And I'm aware coming into this evening, some of us maybe have never done that before. The invitation is there to you. Confront the truth. Maybe some of us, we need to come back to that for the thousandth time to confess again, to confront the truth about our brokenness because we are all equally broken. I don't know if you've heard this before. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. No one is higher than the other. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. Let go of whatever sense of self-made status that you have, however inflated or however weak, and come to God honestly. Ask for help. That's a humbling thing to do. It means letting go of pride. It means showing weakness. Because we're all weak. So step down, be real. Confront the truth today. He loves you. He knows you. He made you. You can be honest with him. It is scary. Believe me, I know it is scary. But there is nobody safer in all the universe, nobody more trustworthy to whom you can bring your whole self in all your brokenness and need.
So that's the first invitation, confront the truth. And then secondly, receive the gift. Receive the gift. You know, I believe with all my heart today that God does not want to leave us in the low place. 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked out of an empty tomb. That actually happened. Jesus walked out of an empty tomb. And so I believe today that resurrection is what he's all about. It's what he's offering today. As we humble ourselves, as we get real, as we confront the truth, receive the gift, hear the affirmation of God over you today. The risen Jesus, all he's achieved for you. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. Do you know that today? That is who you are if you receive it. A child of God. Status. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into light. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus. What? For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And just on that last one, This is an invitation into freedom today. Freedom to forget yourself, right? Freedom to stop worrying so much about trying to conjure up who I am and be free to do good works and be concerned with others in the world, to not be so concerned with what I'm worth. That's what's on offer, the freedom of self-forgetfulness, Your identity is secure in Jesus, so you don't need to worry about yourself. Worry about other people instead. How are they doing? Do they know their worth? How can I tell them? How can I show them? And at work, when that person gets the promotion that really I wanted, well, that's okay. I'm secure in Jesus. It's a freedom of self-forgetfulness. When your identity and status is as secure as it is with Jesus, you're free to live a life of good works in the world. When your actions aren't propping up your identity, they can flow out for the good of others. And so let's come back to the courtroom that so many of us feel stuck in, that we're always in, where our status is being undermined and we're accused. Hear this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Friends, today, if you're in the courtroom, if you're constantly assessing and reassessing whether you're enough under accusation, constantly trying to prove yourself, the verdict has been given. The verdict has been given. What did Jesus say when he died? It is finished. It is finished. God says, I love you, I love you, I love you. You are valuable, you have purpose, you're my child. In that courtroom, God speaks directly to the accuser and says, I know the mistakes they've made. I've paid the penalty. I've dealt with it. There's nothing more to settle. Let the guilty go free, case closed, no further witnesses. Court is no longer in session. If the enemy is speaking louder in your life at the moment, accusing you, I believe the voice of God is louder. So hear what he has to say today. Get in the conversation with him and wait for him to speak over you. Receive the gift. New life. A new secure identity as the person that God says you are. You no longer need to define yourself. To prove yourself. You have been given status and it's free. You didn't earn it. You couldn't earn it. And he wants to give it to you today if you'll receive it.